Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Omen. Excuse me, sir. Leave me be. I didn't do nothing. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I forgot to introduce my friend. The shorter one you threw your drink at is Tobias. Thanks for that, by the way. And the tall one in the guard costume is Quinton. It's a uniform, Gwen. We just want to talk to you for a moment. Do these alleyways seem narrow to you guys? I don't think they're up to code. I don't think your priorities are up to code. Hey, I'm practically running sideways back here. If the street gets any more cramped, I'm gonna get... Stuck. An epic fantasy story, Omen is the creation of Tim Krauss. Set in a world of medieval magic, three adventurers, Gwen, Toby, and Quint, become drawn into a diabolical plot after they investigate the kidnapping of a young girl. Along the way, they explore ancient ruins, sail the high seas, and question whether friendship truly is magic, all while cracking pirate skulls and dabbling in high explosives. The story of Omen originally came from Krauss's tabletop role-playing game campaign, which he rewrote into an audio drama and now directs. He is also co-owner of Right Now LLC, which produces the Right Now podcast and the award-winning audio drama Girl in Space. The first episode of Omen, titled Odd Jobs in Almas, drops us into the middle of the action with Gwen, Toby, and Quint chasing a suspect through the narrow streets. Their investigation into the kidnapping will reveal sinister magical forces behind it all, and the trio will have to learn how to get along if they expect to save the day. I spoke to Tim remotely from his home in South Dakota. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to create Omen. My name is Tim Krause. I am a writer. I'm an editor, both a writing editor and a sound editor, I'm sound designer. I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with my partner, Sarah Ray Werner, who is the creator of the award-winning sci-fi audio drama, Girl in Space. I helped edit both the script and the uh, sound for Girl in Space. And I also help uh, work on her other inspirational podcast called The Right Now Podcast with Sarah Werner. Uh, my background is not an audio. I am a writer by trade. Always have been, always will be. Um, is, that a, is that a fiction writer or other kinds of writing? 
absolutely a fiction writer. Yeah. I was working on a novel, a couple novels actually, um, a few years back and uh, also running a tabletop uh, role-playing game called Pathfinder, very similar to Dungeons and Dragons. And that's kind of where I got my my fix for writing and creating. Was, those were my outlets. When it came time to figure out what we wanted to do with our lives, Sarah left her job. She was in marketing and she was tired of that and wanted to do her own thing. So we kind of took a leap and we planned for it, but we took a leap, but we started our own business called Right Now LLC. And yeah, that's kind of the the company run by the two of us that we put all our projects under. And this uh, Omen is the third project, the second audio drama in this. And the first one that is helmed by myself. So yeah, working on those other projects kind of gave me the confidence and the experience I needed to kind of say, you know what, I can do this. And so I started doing it and never looked back. What background did you have professionally before you started doing this? Professionally? Well, uh, I have a BA in um, journalism and graphic design. I didn't really do much with that. I was a quote unquote professional graphic designer for a while. I worked for other people, then found like I, I wasn't really happy doing that, tried some other jobs, some banking jobs, and it was all just not doing it for me. Yeah, We kind of both decided, Sarah and I, that like, we don't want to work for other people. We want to work for ourselves. And so we did. And it took a lot of planning. It's not as simple as I just made it sound. Sure. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we took the plunge. And, you know, after season one of Girl in Space was done, uh, Sarah uh, pushed me to do my own thing because I'd just been kind of helping with the managerial and the day-to-day -day running of the business. And I wanted to get back into writing. And she is always very much a, an advocate for people to podcast just because it's so much more immediate and you interact with your audience right out of the gate. I was interacting on Twitter with my audience while I was writing the first season before people even knew what it was. While I was casting, that was a huge interaction. I suddenly got followed by thousands of voice actors and got to meet so many people that way. While I was recording, I was keeping people up to date and uh, sharing clips. Yeah, I was always able to go back to that core audience and say, hey, here's some progress I've made. And they're just like, wow, we can't wait till it comes out. And I somehow got patrons on Patreon while I was <laughs> doing this. Like, that's weird. And they were uh, my rock for a while. And they helped um, kind of give me uh, a face to the audience and to talk to and bounce ideas off of. And uh, it was great. Yeah. So this whole process, while still very solitary at times, always kind of dips its toe back into who your audience is. And it's, it's been a really great process. Tell me about Omen in your own words. What kind of show is it? Omen is, it's so weird. I'd probably give you a different answer beginning of 2020 when we started recording uh, as I do now. Now that it's over, I kind of can get a picture of what it is. Um, mm -hmm. It's a fantasy audio drama in that there are fantastical elements. There's magic. It's uh, what I would consider to be like a mid to low fantasy. So like people aren't, you know, riding magic carpets and unicorns to work every day kind of fantasy. <laughs> right. But it's definitely it's definitely grounded. Uh, the people have relatable dialogue and friendships and there's humor. The script itself was adapted from this Pathfinder game I had talked about before, uh, this tabletop role-playing game that my friends and I were playing, and uh, we've been playing since 2015, six years now. So I had all these game master notes because I ran the game, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of this world building that I had done. And then even more stuff that my players had glommed on to the mix and added to and shaped. 
when Sarah came to me and said, hey, you should do an audio drama. And so I was thinking like, oh, well, I guess I could adapt one of my novels, but ugh, they're not done yet. And it's just like, uh, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, well, what about my Game Master notes? I have years of these notes just sitting around that were really great times, really great memories. There's a lot of um, what's called actual play podcasts where people gather around a table with microphones and roll dice and actually play these games live. And you can hear the table banter and the jokes. And it's a really unique experience. But this has been going on for years. That time was long past and I didn't want to recreate that. So I thought, wow, what a great challenge it would be to adapt this to an audio drama, purely audio drama, meaning I took all of the things that happened in our game and kind of refined them down into the most interesting action-packed things that happened during the campaign. And I, as an added challenge, I was like, you know what? I want to not rely on a narrator as well. I want this to all happen in front of your, well, ears, really, not right. eyes, but right, I right. want it to be cinematic. I want it to be relying heavily on just dialogue and sound design, even though I didn't know how to do sound design at the time. I wanted this to be different. I wanted this to be more of uh, an experience that you close your eyes and kind of picture things going on. That's really tricky to to do, though, right? Um, right, it is. Without because you you can only convey information to the audience a certain way with you know through sound. You don't want to write the clunky dialogue like as you know, Bob. We can't <laughs> do that around here because the law says you know you have yes. to really kind of avoid that stuff. At the same time, though, I, I get the impulse to want to immerse the listener in the world of the story. What were some of the main things you tried to do to accomplish this feat? First thing I did was I contacted a composer. I had originally thought of doing the music myself, but I was like, no, I need to get as many voices in this project as possible. So I, as soon as the script was like maybe halfway done, I reached out to composers and was like, hey, let me hear your SoundCloud. Let me hear what you got. And I found someone, Matt Lee from um, England, that I really liked his stuff. And we started communicating immediately how things should sound as far as a music point of view. Sound effects, uh, <laughs> that was something I learned when I got there. That was kind of a bridge that wasn't built yet. So I started with the music, actually. And the day that Matt wrote and shared with me the omen main theme that was a magical day because that was the day that it became real that the world had a window you could look through and see i, I have to admit that music is particularly effective an amazing musician. So that really motivated me to um, kind of live up to that adventurous tone that he had set. And it was spot on. 
I had to rely solely on um, dialogue tricks that I had learned over the years to convey, like, I, I don't want to just say we are brothers and sisters, you know, <laughs> right. I have right. to make them talk like they're brother and sister. So you can say I, I, these, it's obvious these people are related, or I had to teach myself how to do stage direction, which talked about, you know, f- footsteps approach. That's one example of like picturing a scene without anyone telling you who's in it or what's going on. And you just relying solely on the characters that are there and stuff that I had later, uh, ambient sounds, music, and uh, sound effects. So, Right. I, you know, I think there's a lot of audio dramas, especially from beginning writers, I think they underestimate the audience. I think we assume that if we don't spell everything out, if we don't audibly show the detail, that audiences can't figure it out and they'll get confused. And I don't think that's true. No. I think audiences are smart. I mean, they still need some information in order to fill in the blanks, but you can trust your audience. If you guide them to a certain point, they'll go the rest of the way on their own. Full disclosure, I am an old RPG grognard from way back when. Nice. No, I never played Pathfinder. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm out of practice. I haven't played RPGs in a while, but do you need to know Pathfinder to appreciate Omen? Oh, absolutely not. I chose to stay in the world of Pathfinder just because it's such a rich, vibrant world. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been so excited about this project from day one is that I've always been more excited to play in other people's worlds. For example, I wrote and edited and recorded the Girl in Space bonus episodes, which came out after season one. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fun just because I had the freedom to just play in someone else's universe. I can't imagine writing Omen from scratch, coming up with all the different intricate rules and stuff. Granted, that stuff doesn't really come into play a lot. And you don't need to know Pathfinder to enjoy Omen at all. There are some kind of nods to the game and there's nods to fantasy role-playing games in general in there. Yeah, it's just a completely standalone fantasy audio drama that speaks for itself. But if you are a fan of Pathfinder, there are some uh, Easter eggs and stuff in there that are fun. This is one of the challenges of not having narrator too, is that we're really kind of thrown straight into the story of these three adventurers. And you don't do a lot of direct explanation in terms of the world or world building, right? We only learn that magic exists because Gwen talks about it. Really, you know, right. in the first episode, yeah. we you know we only pick up on these things and sort of indirect clues. I think that's a really interesting challenge, but I think it does get back to trusting that the audience can kind of follow you along. If you're a fantasy fan already, you're already primed to think about magic and how that might work and that kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a kind of learn by osmosis thing, I think it happens there. I think it's important that characters speak like they would naturally, especially mm-hmm. for main characters and especially in fantasy. Oh my gosh. My whole philosophy with how characters interact with each other in Omen is you've got your core group of main characters and they might be eccentric to a point, but on the whole, you can pretty much relate to one of them because they speak to each other like we speak to each other normally. And then everyone else around them is a crazy fantasy person that speaks in fantasy talk and has their own weird fantasy things going on and they kind of react to that genuinely the way that you know someone from the real world might but i think it also is important to help ground the audience in that the main characters and and how they feel and think you see anything gwen i'm picking up some strange auras back here what like magic i think this warehouse is warded i'm not certain hey guys come look at this Did you find the... All right, what did you do? Nothing. Oh, the padlock wasn't even closed properly. Toby. 
Did you pick that lock? What? How dare you? I just pulled on it and it came off. <sighs> just give it here. Why? So you can lock us out of our only promising lead. Until we get permission to look around, yes. I won't let you jeopardize Hello? our- Are you in here? Gwen, no! Get away from the- Hey! What? Do you try and calm yourself, Quinton. And in the future, I'll thank you not to jostle me about like a pram. So how did you decide to do Gwen, Toby, and Quint as the characters that you wanted to tell the story with? The main characters in Omen are the what's called the playable characters from the game. My friend Sam played Toby in the game. My partner Sarah played Gwen in the game. And then I ran Quentin as an NPC, a non-playable character. Mm -hmm. So naturally, I chose these characters to center around because the story was happening to them. And like any good action hero, they are reacting to things happening to a point so yeah of course the story is going to be them specifically i chose gwen as kind of the main tentpole person just because her story uh has so much growth and change throughout the season and even in episode one you can hear that growth starting to happen Yes, she comes across as this very flighty, out of touch, free spirit. Right. But clearly there's something going on, you know, the first sign of magic and she gets really freaked out. And then the the, the guy gets shot by uh, a musket and, you know, she almost has a breakdown right there. Can muskets do this? Up there! Up there in the bell tower! Someone's running! Come on, we might still be able to... Gwen? It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> Gwen, are you... Don't touch me! Sorry, sorry. Do you... Do you want to stay here while we... No! Don't leave me with him! Look at me, Gwen. Look at me! This missing person case just got promoted to full-blown murder. Whoever did this is... Stop looking at him! He's dead, okay? There's nothing you can do about it. Toby, I don't this think... This is your job, Gwen. You volunteered for it. You promised the Nesmith we'd find their daughter. You tracked down this lead. But now we've got a kid to rescue and a murderer to catch. So are you going to finish this thing or what? Yes. Yes, I am. Clearly, she's got some past thing that hooks us and makes us want to know what's going on. And I also like the sort of foil of Quint, the town guard, who is this almost stick in the mud kind of guy. You know, he's <laughs> always trying to make sure that everyone follows the rules and that uh, things are done a particular way. Did you change these characters at all from the way they existed in the game to how they ended up in the Omen audio drama? Not a whole lot, especially with Gwen and Tobias, because those were my friends playing those characters. And yeah. so they knew those characters so well because they put so much of themselves into that. There are lines that Gwen speaks that are things that Sarah says every day. Um, it's kind of weird. <laughs> And I don't think she even really noticed it. As far as Quentin is concerned, though, since he was more of a uh, non-playable character, I, I just ran him as the dungeon master or game master, kind of in the background, kind of as a support character. And because you know, I wanted to play, too. <laughs> but yeah, right. um, he had the least personality in the game. And so discovering who he was was a huge process. I discovered a lot of who Quentin was through writing season one. And then when I hired uh, Charlie West to play Quentin and to add his voice to the character, we sat down and had so many long conversations about who this guy is and what he wants and what motivates him. It was so enlightening to get to meet this character along with Charlie. And uh, yeah, that was a really great experience. 
You know, when you play role-playing games, there's often a collaborative nature in the way the story unfolds. The game master lays out this is what's happening and the world of the story uh, and what options are available. But ultimately, the player characters can make decisions which can radically change the way the story unfolds and plays out. Did the story that ends up in the Omen podcast, is that basically what happened in the tabletop? And therefore, would you consider this to be something that you collaborated on in order to write? Yeah, to an extent. Major plot points were changed just because something I wanted to happen as Dungeon Master did not happen. For an example, toward the end of the season one of the big bad guys they just mop the floor with them in the game <laughs> and i wanted them to be in a recurring villain something every dm wants that is a recurring villain that the players can you know shake their fists at and oh next time <laughs> so i actually have that villain get away and succeed and in the game they just blasted them you know to smithereens and it is an adaptation there's a lot of stuff that's verbatim that happened but as far as like logistics and how things play out and what order they play out in i really had to rearrange things so that it was the absolute most interesting way possible for it to happen. It's kind of like taking raw material, but then sculpting it into something like a finished product. Very raw. Yes, yes. And yeah. I would agree with your sentiment that the players do add to the world and help shape it through their character. In fact, the best games that you can play allow that um, agency and that verisimilitude where the players can affect change in the world. I've worked with Sarah and Sam, my two player characters, throughout the recording and casting, too. Sam chose his own voice actor. So, oh, wow. yeah, he chose AJ Beckles, who plays his character, because he knew that guy. I was like, hey, Sam, come over and listen to these. And he did. And he picked the right one, I think. Omen has really nice, polished production value. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you've got great voice actors. The music, as we've already talked about, is really good. Sound design, the world. Uh, you said this was new to you, so I, I think you figured it out. Thank you. And I think approaching a project like this, you should go in not knowing everything and grow and learn from it. So yeah. If I had known what it would take to make the show, I would not have done it. <laughs> because by nature, I am a lazy person that wants to take the easiest route to everything and have immediate results and you know short-term payoffs. And that's not what podcasting is, especially not audio drama. Good Lord. You've got to have a story that you really are burning to tell to get into audio drama or else it's going to lose interest for you. Omen miraculously has kept my interest for so many years, even beyond writing the script, because it's been collaborative and I have friends that I can talk to about this. Whether you're going in with exactly the things that you think you know that you have for a project to be completed or you think you're completely in over your head, I think the most important thing for any creator, first-time podcaster, is to trust the decision you make along the way and stick with them. Mm. That was super important because, oh my gosh, when I'm juggling the writing, the casting, the directing, the, the dialogue editing, the sound effects, the music, you're making super huge decisions all the time that you have to stack on top of each other that you, know, you can't go back and change sometimes. So it's important that you take the time to make those decisions as well as you can and then trust them and build off them. And I think that's where growth comes from. Omen has finished season one. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> On time too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Looking back at the whole season, maybe specifically the first episode, how do you feel about what you accomplished and how do you feel about that first episode? You know, I re-listened to it for the first time since I think it came out in 
June. Wow. <laughs> and it does everything I hoped it would do. It kind of blew me away. Like it sets up the main characters. It sets up the tone. It sets up the stake. It, it does a lot of different things. It juggles a lot of different things to keep the audience's attention. And it's right around that 30 minute mark. Whereas um, most of my episodes go to like 40, 50 minutes each. It's boiled down to just the essentials. Puts you right in the middle of the action. It spells out the stakes and it shows you how the characters react to everything. I'm really proud of it, honestly. Yeah. Did things grow? Did they change? Did you evolve over time? Yeah. And uh, I think you can hear that just between the first and second episode. A lot of that was an intentional choice, too. I did not go super crazy with Foley in the first episode. That is like body movement sound effects. Like if someone turns to talk to someone, you hear their shirt rustle, you know, things like that. I kept that really simple so that it was just you and the ambient sounds of the city that we get to walk around in and the characters talking to each other and the music. And this is one of the only episodes that starts with music. Usually it has a cold open and it goes into the the main theme, which we talked about already. But this one, I wanted to put Matt Lee's music like right there while they're running through these alleys. And mm -hmm. I think it makes for a really cinematic experience. Uh, it puts you right in the mix. And yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out. But as far as growth into other episodes, there's much more subtlety as far as Foley and ambience and spacing in the dialogue edit. I pride myself on Omen starting simple and getting more and more complicated as it goes on both in the story and the plot and in the sound design and the different tricks I learned along the way. What do you struggle with artistically as you approach being a writer and a podcaster? The thing I struggle with in my writing mirrors the things that have kept me invested in this project, and that is affirmation. I absolutely thrive on affirmation. And by that, I mean feedback. Um, so working with Sarah as my editor, working with uh, sensitivity readers, and working with my actors has been so rewarding, just hearing what they think is going on. If I'm working in a vacuum, I'm miserable. And that's why I got into Dungeons and & Dragons and, and Pathfinder, is you're never working in a bubble. You're always sharing the world you create and, and adding things with the people you share it with. And the same goes for this podcast. The actors have added things. Maeve DeBrun, who voices Lola in later episodes, she's from Ireland and I wanted to keep her accent as much as possible. So, and I told her, I'm an American. I don't know how to write Irish stuff. So if <laughs> you think of a really great phrase or word that would be substituted in for this, I just want you to go for it. And she did. And that's all over season one. And I absolutely love it. It brought so much to the character. Talking with Charlie about Quentin's character was immensely uh, helpful. And I even changed some things in the script because of his input. So yeah, I absolutely need affirmation. That's something I struggle with. How do you measure success? If I had started Omen for money or attention, um, <laughs> that would be very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm laughing because I'm in the same boat, right? <laughs> exactly. Every podcaster's in that boat at some point, I think. I measure the success of Omen by how it makes people feel, myself included. I think it's a lot healthier than obsessing over download numbers and like vanity metrics like social media. Yeah. That's just setting yourself up for disappointment. It's hard though. It's hard not to check those numbers. You it's know? all we have. It's all right. we have to the outside world sometimes. If you're not setting up a Discord or engaging with people on Twitter, yeah, what else do you have? I knew from my experience working with Girl in Space with Sarah, reviews are a big detriment to creativity, both positive and negative ones. And explain that. If you're getting a lot of positive reviews, you start thinking about your story from your audience's point of view and not from what you want it to be. You want to please them. 
And I think that's great, but I think it kills your creativity because you're constantly thinking, are they going to like this? Are they going <laughs> to like me? And then the couple of one-star reviews from people that come into Sarah's show, she's great at developing that thick skin and letting that roll off of her. But for me, I would take that personally. I would take that into my heart and that would take days or maybe even weeks out of my creative schedule. Mm -hmm. Just obsessing over that one person and, and the beef they brought to your show. And <laughs> I just yeah. know that I stew over that. And I've, I've had to work on myself a lot during this process to stay centered and stay creative. You cannot control how your audience engages with your art and you cannot control the baggage they bring. What lessons have you learned about creating audio drama? What would you tell people who were saying, I want to start an audio drama? I'd say, ask yourself why, what reasons you're doing it for and be completely honest. Because it's okay to want to do something because you want to make money. It's okay to do something because you want attention or fame. That's okay. But knowing that going into it, you can set your expectations. And I think that's so much of podcasting and, and staying in podcasting is setting realistic goals and expectations for yourself and for your show. Because if you're not doing that, you're going to burn out and you're going to be disappointed. If you're a podcasting hopeful, or if you have an audio drama story you want to tell, you'll get a really great start if you go to sarahwerner.com and click on free podcast roadmap. We've outlined a, a really great starting point for you to kind of get your head around where should I be setting goals to? What kind of expectations should I be managing? And uh, why do I want to be doing this? So what's next for you and for Omen? Now that I'm done with season one, I can see myself doing this for five more years. Easy. Um, okay. I want to keep going. I want to keep doing this. This is great. I have so much more story to tell. So what's next is more Omen. And I'm making this my job now because I love it. And even the days that are crappy, and there are days that are crappy, even though mm. I love this, it's worth it. There's no way I'm stopping now. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. This is harassment. Two and a half. I'm, I'm warning you now. You lot have better clear out. Three. <gasps> I beg your pardon. Did you just try to shoot me? Uh, big mistake, creep. <laughs> all right, all right. If swashbuckling fantasy stories are your cup of tea, it's hard to go wrong with Omen. There's plenty of action, banter, and high production value to be had. Don't let its RPG roots put you off either. Whatever its source of inspiration, Omen stands on its own. You can listen to Omen, a fantasy audio drama, on most major podcast platforms, or see our show notes for links. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them, and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's webpage is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. you got questions about him where did he come from how did he do all those things they say he did was he a terrorist was he crazy was his skin really blue <laughs>
Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.